This episode of the Expat Cast is brought to you by Horbach Expats. Horbach Expats was founded by young women from a range of countries who believe that financial freedom should be a right and not a privilege. They specialize in helping people from all over the globe who live in Germany get the best financial planning and financial advising possible. They're a Munich-based team who offers services in six different languages. They even have a financial planner who specializes in U.S. Americans living in Germany. And she and the expat cast are teaming up to bring you guys a special event for U.S. Americans living in Germany. We're going to touch on a range of financial topics that came directly from you guys, such as optimizing taxes, preparing for retirement, and even how to plan for the unplannable. For instance, what to do with your finances if you might have another move in your future. That event is coming to you July 1st at 7 o'clock p.m. Germany time. It's a completely free event and a great way to start getting answers to all of those questions that you have. Register today at the link in the bio. If you can't make it, no worries. You can schedule an individual consultation with Horbach Expats. See you at the event. This episode of the Expat Cast is brought to you by Lingoda. They're a fully online language school that offers small group classes around the clock all by qualified native speakers. I actually used them in 2021 to start learning some French, and I was surprised at how easy it was to adapt to this sort of online format. And actually, in the end, I was able to do more classes than I otherwise would have been able to because you can literally just sign up whenever you have time rather than committing to a certain time slot every week or every day. In addition to French, Lingoda does offer classes in English, Spanish, and German. So this is a great way to step up your German game this summer Lingoda is famous for their language sprints, and their next one is starting on August 2nd. You can sign up by July 16th, and you commit to either taking 15 classes per month or 30. If you meet your goal, you can get either 50 or 100% of your money back. To sign up, you need a deposit of 49 euros, but if you use the code expatcast1, you'll save 20 euros on that deposit. For more information, check out the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. I'm not sure if you can hear it, but my allergies are hitting me so hard today. From what I've read on Expat in Germany Twitter and seen on Expat in Germany Instagram, apparently the pollen or whatever it is that's getting these allergies kicked up is hitting the whole country real hard today. Lucky for you, this episode was recorded before my allergies made my voice sound all funky. But before we get to that, one final reminder that I am soliciting your stories for the season finale, which is coming up in just one week. The deadline to send in your story is this Saturday, July 19th, and the stories I'm looking for are are stories of times that German authority figures have brought you to tears or a similarly degrading sort of feeling. Not necessarily through the issues with bureaucracy, which we all know all too well, but rather the manner in which you were spoken to and the way that you were treated. If you want to hear examples of stories that I'm talking about here, you can listen to a couple episodes back with Martina. It was called Times German Figures of Authority Have Made Us Cry. Go ahead and listen to that for some of my stories, some of Martina's stories, and then send in your own. Send in your name, your location, a quick rundown of your story, and then if you have any tips or strategies for how to cope with moments like that, I'd love to hear that too. So again, you can send that in 
via the voice note function on my website. Just go to theexpatcast.com and look in the lower right for the little microphone symbol. And there you can record it directly from your laptop or your cell phone and it'll send right to me. Or alternatively, you can record a voice note on your phone and email it to me at theexpatcast at gmail.com. Once again, the deadline is this weekend, Saturday, July 19th. Thanks in advance for your stories. And without further ado, let's get right to today's episode. It's always a special treat to get to podcast with a fellow podcaster. I chat with Steph of the Transcontinental Overload. I was actually a guest on her show a couple months ago, so I'll link to that in the show notes. And it was really cool to get her onto my show and get a chance to ask her my questions. Hope you guys enjoy. Okay. I'm Steph, originally from Bavaria, southern Germany, but I am reaching a point this year where I haven't lived in my home country for almost half my life. (laughs) I left Germany for the UK in my 20s and then moved to the US uh, about 11 years ago. So I've been living in the US since then with a brief interruption another year back in the UK. We started out in California in the US and we are now in Austin, Texas. But I have a a funny question to start us off with. I actually just podcasted with another Stephanie, also spells it same as you, S-T-E-P-H-A-N, I think I-E at the end. And when she, she's from the UK, when she moved to Germany, she started going by Steffi, um, S-T-E-F-F-I, because the P-H she found was creating some confusion in the German environment. But now I'm actually, it's hitting me that your name is also Stephanie with PH and you go by Steph with PH. Mm-hmm. Is this all mm-hmm. correct? It's all very correct, but I'm also Steffi or Steffi. I have so many different names because of all the, in, in, in Germany, it's very common to have uh, Stephanie with an F and then that gets abbreviated to Steffi. And that's kind of who I, I was. And then I moved to the UK and the UK even more so than the US, like to abbreviate names to one syllable. So I became <laughs> Steph very quickly. And then my German friends started calling me Steph too, but kind of with an F at the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have a few, there are a few variations to my name. Do you have a preference? Not really. It really depends on on who I'm with. And Stephanie is normally the one where I feel like I'm at work and that's the more official <laughs> one. But at the same time, I'm Steffi sometimes sounds, I feel like I'm 14 years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> and sometimes it's just not the right context, but I honestly don't re- don't have a preference. I feel like the not having a preference thing sort of fits into this whole, we'll call it like global fluidity. You know what I mean? Like you're just popping oh around God, yes. places. <laughs> don't just, put me in a box. At all. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> you know, not, not everyone finds that easy to deal with. You know, when I'm like, well, call me whatever you want to call me. And they're like, what? I don't know. But that's honestly, that's that's really who I am. I'm curious with someone with a story like yours, was the concept of abroad, was it out there for you or did it happen to you? 
I think I was born with a nomadic gene. I think it's just, it's always been in my blood. I've, from, from a very early age, I was very keen to explore the world and experience different places and um, study languages. And I kind of have that sense of adventure being a nomad in my family. So I'm just in this process of digging a little bit into my family's history. And I actually have family who emigrated to the US in the 19th century. And my grandma was a linguist and uh, lived in France uh, for quite some time and was absolutely fluent in French. And so I think that whole love of languages and living in other places is, has always been there. And so it was kind of natural for me to, I did, as I said, I studied languages. And then um, I went to the UK because England was always my, English was my favorite foreign language and uh, it was kind of love at first sound. <laughs> and I, I taught I taught myself English or started learning English even before I had it at school from song lyrics. Uh, one of my teachers early on kind of recognized that and was very supportive. And, and I knew I was going to go to England and live in London at some point. And I did. What kind of songs were these, by the way, that you were oh learning my, English I, from? You, you know, now you now you want to you want to really embarrass me. Um, I just <laughs> I went through my parents' record collections. I think my earliest ones were Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that's not embarrassing. That's great. I can still sing the lyrics to the Boxer, and it has a line in it that's called "The Whores on Seventh Avenue," which when I was twelve, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that meant, and I I think that kind of probably. Um, me by. <laughs> well, it's probably like cursing. I, I've noticed here, it's so funny to me. One of the only uh, German words that a lot of Americans know is Scheiße. And yeah. then here in Germany, kids are saying mm -hmm. shit often, mm -hmm. but the foreign one is more funny and less harsh. And so like, also the, the F-bomb, people drop that here a lot. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> it's And you know, I've, I've noticed this here too, that it's usually the foreigners here who use it a lot more. And I think, and I've read about it, um, this whole thing with when you speak different languages, you kind of, you have different characteristics or different sides of yourself come out. And there, there's something about the emotional distance between that and, you know, you, you distance yourself slightly. So it is not as harsh. So to bring it back to Simon and Garfunkel, it's okay, okay. If you look at it, there's some stuff in there where you look back and you're like, this wasn't really okay for me to know. <laughs> yeah, I just, as I said, I loved it. And I, I was one of those those kids um, who I, I read novels in English at, with a dictionary next to it. So that's that's who I was and that's what I wanted to do and, and, and I did. And going to England was kind of, I, I kind of knew that was going to happen. Texas, on the other hand, that was not... <laughs> not on the agenda. <laughs> really? So I really didn't even think I was going to go to the US. I just had this affinity towards England. And I moved there originally to stay for a year and uh, do my master's degree and then go back to Germany. And uh, that was the plan. But that didn't happen. I left and I did not come back after a year. And then that turned <laughs> into 12 years. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Now I'm so curious about the whole U.S. And, and Texas part because, I mean, 12 years in the U.K., you build a pretty solid life there and it sounds like you really – it fit you. You really loved it. So how did my fine country get involved? <laughs> <laughs> so during that year in the U.K., I met this handsome Englishman <laughs> and he was kind of very persuasive. And so, so I stayed in, in the U.K. and we got married and kind of settled 
there, but he was always, he always said to me, I would love to live abroad as well. And he actually was very keen to move to Germany um, early on when we got together. He's like, oh, this is perfect. Let's go to Germany. And I was like, no, I just left Germany. I'm not going back there. <laughs> and and then he had an opportunity to go to California with work. I mean, of course, you know, someone says, hey, do you want to go to San Francisco? You say yes. Plan was to just go for maybe two years, three years, and then go back to the UK because that's where I felt my life was. And I had friends there and, and we had two kids at that point too. And so it's like, yeah, let's have a little, a little brief US adventure. It's so funny because this already happened once in your life, right? The one year, oops, it was 12. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you make I the should have known. Yep. I should have known. <laughs> Just two years. <laughs> I should have known. And I saw when it, when we moved to California, I was so... No, I am actually British and we are going back there and everything was kind of planning towards that. So, you know, two years went by and then the third year and it was like, yeah, we're not done here yet. And then after the two or three years in a place, you really feel much more settled and you know your way around and work was going well for my husband and it was like, yeah, let's just stay and see what happens. And then, yeah, and then he got a job job offer in in Austin. Was this after the two to three years? Oh, yes. That was after six years uh, in California. And so we were in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, which is a very amazing place, but it's also a huge bubble of people and environment that I felt more and more wasn't really me, was not where I wanted to have my kids grow up. So I was getting a little bit disenchanted with it all. Um, It's very all about startups and money and more money and who do you work for and if you weren't working for Google Facebook whatever it people would kind of yeah it it just it's a it's a very different world and I was fed up with it and so I said hey is it time for us to go back to Europe and then he wasn't really ready for Europe just kind of going back to that life in the UK commuting to London because that, that would have been the reality of it. And so he was stretching out his time. <laughs> he was just trying to find opportunities with talking to people. And and then this thing in Austin came up. And to start with, I was like, I am not moving to bloody Texas <laughs> in your <laughs> dreams, honey. And then I spent a few weekends in Austin. And I thought, actually, I think I could do this. That's interesting to hear because as a, growing up in the U.S., you, of course, have certain stereotypes of mm-hmm. different places. And... Mm-hmm. I grew up in the Northeast, and I think we definitely had more negative ideas in our head about Texas. Yep, but exactly. um, across the board, I think people generally think it's a very distinct place and a very, mm-hmm. yeah, just very specific in its mm-hmm. own culture. And so, mm-hmm. but but I'm always so surprised. I find in Germany, so many people, if you say the U.S., they say New York, California, and Texas. These mm-hmm. are the places that they're really interested in. They often travel there, and Texas always threw me because I think from from my upbringing, it wouldn't have been a place that you would directly associate with, okay, I'm going to this whole country. This is exactly where I'm going to go. Um, so I've, I've just internalized that, like, mm-hmm. of course, not all stereotypes are true, but in my head, the stereotype became that Germans are enamored with Texas, at least in a theoretical sense. But so it's interesting to hear you were like, nope, nope, nope. I, yeah, <laughs> I did not have that at all. For me, Texas was like a Republican-led state and Bush is from here and all that. Why am I interested in that? And then also, you know, you might imagine Texas as 
this very kind of dry place with, you know, a bunch of cowboys, a cactus here and there. But I didn't really, <laughs> it was just not on my radar at all. It was, um, yeah, it was East Coast, New York, Boston, or the West Coast. And um, yeah, it really surprised me, really, really surprised me because it's not at all how I imagined it. And then I think, well, this was five, six years ago. So I obviously then you you read about Austin and Austin regularly made it onto the list of very livable places in the US because of the music. And so we love music. We're all into live music and good food and all that. So I got sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever tell people that you're from the UK and stop there? Uh, yes, I do. And I think it's because of the accent. Yeah. Because people get confused. And I mean, it's not as British as it used to be when I lived there, but it's still not completely recognizable German accent. So it has it has all these influences. And so people are normally just intrigued and are just like, I, you know, what what is this? Where are you from? It's actually quite charming when I do say I'm from Germany. And then there's always someone here here who says, oh, my aunt or my grandma or my, you know, <laughs> my family's from Germany. Well, so I find it so interesting with the way that this has all played out for you. It's like you really chose this UK identity and really embraced it and mm -hmm. it really felt so true yeah. for you. This US identity feels maybe over time now it feels more appropriate, but it seems like you need it to warm up to all of that. And because you do have this non-distinctly German accent, you could totally... You could totally hide the German thing if you wanted to. You know, the the interesting thing is when I moved to the UK and lived there and kind of got blended into the, the lifestyle there, I, I was very keen to hide the Germanness. And because people, I, I don't know, I just never felt, I never felt really comfortable speaking German. I was very keen to just leave all that behind. And then when I moved to the US, I kind of rediscovered my German roots. And because, like I just said, people are usually so interested and will say oh th there's history there I've you know I've always wanted to go to Germany and find my distant relatives and all that kind of thing it was really nice for me to rediscover that and all of a sudden we were a family of you know my, my husband's English I'm German and that's you know that's us that's that's the family and our kids are a little bit of everything and we even we had like Oktoberfest and that kind of stuff and I felt much more proud of my heritage um, in the U.S. But I have I have the accent and kind of a big chunk of my life um, and adulthood as well was spent in the UK. So it's it's part of me. And how do you yeah, so how do you see all of the different parts? Like, let's say that you ended up leaving the US at one point. Like, do you think that mm -hmm. would still be there for you? So um, I kind of tried that. So we moved to Austin. And as I said, I kind of got sucked in and really liked this place. But Moving is always a huge deal and moving with kids of school age is, it's a huge endeavor and I had completely underestimated the effort it took and being new again and having to create a whole network of family, friends, all that kind of thing. I was very exhausted and I kind of, I didn't really feel like this was a good idea. So after about eight months in Austin, I just felt trapped and I just couldn't cope. And so I made a decision to go back to the UK because I was like, I need my, my identity has just been, you know, shaken again, moved from California to Texas. And now I don't know whether I'm coming or going. And I actually wanted to go back to Europe. And now I made this move and it's too much. And I just kind of, I had a real, 
Um, I don't want to say a nervous breakdown, but probably something like that. And so we moved back to the UK where we had still had a house. And I kind of felt like, oh, let's just go back and just snap back into my my UK identity and, you know, same place. I know people around me. I know where everything is. And that didn't quite work out. (laughs) It's again, it's that whole identity thing. And I had not realized how much I had changed in those six years since leaving the UK. And then I felt like a fish out of water. (laughs) I was like, I can't, this is, this is too much. My head is exploding. I think we were only in the UK for a year before we moved back to Austin, which again, with hindsight, was not enough time to readjust to the UK. But there were all sorts of reasons, work being one of them. And yeah, I realized that's not the place I left. Brexit had happened in the meantime, too. I felt very different in the UK. So it was not like the experience I was hoping for. Yes, it was lovely to reconnect with friends and some I had lost along the way and but others had had kind of stepped up and we became even closer so it was really nice and also having family my in-laws nearby but as a whole as a place to live and you know my kids had spent a huge chunk of their childhood in the US and that was not easy to to deal with being back in the UK and because people there everyone was just the same and they hadn't left they hadn't experienced other things and it it kind of felt like it was almost like we slipped out of the circle and they closed the circle and then we came back and they were like oh where where do we put you now (laughs) I imagine you'd you'd visited the UK in these years yeah we every summer we would spend uh, a good like three four weeks in sometimes even longer in Europe and splitting our time between Germany and, and the UK so we had kept in touch and I'd made sure that we the kids also had connections strong connections to their home countries it's different when you come and visit in the summer and then you come and you live there and you're like hey hey yoohoo I'm back I'm here it's so wild to have these moments where you drop back into a place and then you realize you're actually also dropping back into a sort of alternate timeline alternate reality a little time travel even it's almost like a parallel lives going on kind of thing and I think because you you yourself feel slightly different in different places it's hard to put into words but it does mess yeah. with your head a and bit. I think honestly I think some of that stuff you can't see until you have the contrast because you know here you are thinking like oh this is gonna work out great this is gonna like this makes sense all this and it's only when you're really faced with it and then you're like oh oh right these these years happened this I remember a very early guest on the expat cast um Mark his episode was called You Are Where You Live. He had, I think, five life lessons he'd learned from living abroad. And that was one of his big ones. And honestly, that kind of haunted me for a while because my life choices and my location choices weren't necessarily made based on that I want to become German. And I especially that early in my move, I was not ready for this uh, concept. But I mean, every additional year, I'm like, this guy's completely right. I mean, which I knew, but to feel it is different. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think with all these things that you're describing, all these different places, they get in you in ways you don't even notice. Absolutely. And, you know, that's it's such a good life lesson that that whole that feeling of you have to really learn to be in the present wherever you are when you're someone who lives who has lived in various places you always your heart is always in various places I I like to think of it like that so it's like there's a little chunk of my heart that is always in Germany it's always in the UK so wherever I am I always miss uh, another place that's just part of 
this process. But I had to learn to accept that and to feel comfortable with that. And then this whole, the grass isn't always greener. And then I think I read this somewhere also. It's one of those things that you put on a cushion. Um, the grass is green where you water it. That's definitely a couch cushion. Yeah, I know exactly the cushion you're, you're I see it so clearly in my head. <laughs> and it's just so true. And you can, you can get to that point where you, you just like, you have to love where you are and, and make the best of the situation you're in. And whether it's your dream country or not, but you, you kind of, you have to give it your all. There's always room. The, the other places are, still, are there. And it's just this kind of this sense of, it's always a bit painful you know you think of another place and it's this the sense of missing something always constantly feeling ah, I'm not complete um but you have to learn to live with that uh, it's kind of also lovely to be missing places and to feel that you can be at home in various places and they're all kind of part of the whole mm. experience so I've kind of come to that conclusion that it's just, it's never going to be perfect, but it's, it's just such a waste of time to always miss other places. Yeah, it's a very special sort of pain that comes with all of this. And I think there is this element of like, I almost wish I didn't know how much else was out there because yeah, now yeah. I know I can't go back. <laughs> I know exactly yeah, what and you Now I just have to live with this kind of everything's a bit bad, but mostly good. Yes, and constantly kind of asking, oh, I wonder if, you know, had I done it this way or had I gone there or not gone there? But it's that's not a way to live. You have to force yourself to be to be more accepting of what, what is happening. I mean, who knows? I mean, my, my whole story is, is a good example for you. Just never know. Well, and I think it's also really amazing that you did take that year and you did try and go, I was about to say backwards, which I both mean and don't mean, you know, you know, because it was so instrumental. Yeah. And it sounds like Austin take two was probably really different just because of all of that. Very much. My mother-in-law actually put it uh, perfectly she just kind of said to me because I felt so, so guilty also to say after a year actually this you know I don't like the UK anymore I'm leaving again so I felt really bad and she just said look I think you just had to get that out of your system and I think that's so true because I would have always asked myself and now I can say I've done it and it was so hard all these moves took their toll and it's really but it's all it's also part of the experience. And it made me, as you said, coming back to Austin, made that a whole different experience. And I had to approach it differently and, and be like, okay, this is it now. I'm going to really give this my all and embrace it more. And Well, I like to sometimes take the language of love stories and rom-coms and put it onto expat life because we don't have as many pop culture examples of these problems that we're talking about. So, you know, in this sense, it's like you really, truly, you fell in love with the place and, and then you left it and you moved on elsewhere. And you were happy, but you always had this question. So it was like, you know, getting back with your ex and seeing if that could be or not, you know, and you, you tried it and you learned some stuff and then you, then you ended up moving on. You know, there's, I think maybe we should, uh, we should come up with a, with a good idea for a, for a rom-com set in this kind of context. <laughs> I could see a, a expat moving drama. Or it's like a psychological thriller. Like you go through the whole thing thinking it's a love story. And then at some point in the movie, the curtain sort of drops and you realize that you rewind the whole tape and replay the whole setting. And instead of it being uh, two people, it's a person and a place. And then they revisit the plot. Mm -hmm. Same exact storyline, but a place instead of a person. Ooh, I'm oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> <laughs> So 
I'm curious, where does this take you to, to now? Like, how does how does all of this experience influence your view on on Austin, on Texas, on the U.S., on you, on all of it, all of the places? <laughs> <laughs> so I have completely given up on trying to have a plan, <laughs> and this whole needing to have a certain identity or something. I've just it doesn't play as big a role anymore now I'm you know I am who I am and my my accent is what what it is and I don't need to be knowing I'm from Germany but then I lived there and it doesn't have to it's I'm just me and who knows what's what's next and we are getting to a point I mean in the next few years where we'll have both kids leave home and then who knows who knows where they'll go and we like to keep our options open and I have always said I could see us having a place here and a place in Europe because I don't think we can commit ourselves to one place I don't know (laughs) as long as I can I can go and see friends and family and I mean this last year has been so painful because of not being able to travel as freely but I think it's just that's just part of of what it's like so who knows where we'll be next yeah so it's just made me more you know less less kind of fixed in my views much more open-minded I kind of I don't know I really love that especially when you're approaching this next era of life I think for a lot of people that's one that's pretty scary because they haven't had a big change like that in a long time and I'm sure it's still plenty of scary and intimidating and exciting for you as well but because you've had this story where yeah you're not so concerned about the long-term plan anymore and you're and you're sometimes Stephanie, sometimes Steph, and sometimes Steffi, and it's all good. And, you know, it's like you get to see this as an opportunity. You know, and sometimes I think, um, especially for, for, for parents whose, whose kids have plans on moving abroad and going somewhere else, and I think maybe sometimes for, for people who've lived in the same place all their lives and have their support network, and then all of a sudden the kids go and leave the nest, might be even more scary for them. Because I kind of feel like I'm, yeah, I'm quite open to, you know, I, I know that they'll they'll go somewhere and they'll probably be in different places and it doesn't scare me as much because I'm very much like, well, who knows? We might move, you know, closer to one of them or he, I have no idea. And it's kind of nice that way. Do they still have their British accent, the kids? They kind of, they do both. <laughs> so the, the older one has always maintained a more British accent with a, with a American kind of twang, but especially going back to the UK for that year she was about 15 16 she kind of reinforced those roots here she is really kind of the English girl but she can sound more or less American depending on if she's in the UK you would not think that she spent any time in the US and my younger one can just completely separate the two she's either completely American or completely English and I've, I've said to her, she needs to maintain that because there's an acting career, if I've ever seen one. Yes. Also, <laughs> oh my gosh, like, what a good party trick. Man. I know. I know. <laughs> right. I'm so jealous. They can just do that. I turn it on and off. And um, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. But it's also mind blowing. And it's, you know, you don't think about that when, when you move to a country with a different language. Yeah, obviously you learn the language, but you don't really think about what happens when you speak the language, but then your accent changes. And I remember the the first time, it's like my her grandparents, British grandparents, had no idea that she had an American accent because whenever they spoke with her, she was 
just who she always was and they and then they were on Skype and she had a friend over after school and she was she was speaking British English with her grandparents on Skype being all like oh yes lovely I've had a lovely day at school today and then her friend um turned up in the background and she turns around and she says something completely American to her friend. (laughs) Hey, wait, wait up, you know, (laughs) or something. It was just, and I'll never forget my, my mother-in-law's face. (laughs) She was just like mind blown. (laughs) Couldn't like, Oh, of course. (laughs) Right. Well, and then do you throw, how does German get thrown into the mix? Um, that didn't really change because you know, they, they, their German is, is, heavily influenced by me and that didn't really change at at all so their German is the same man I just would love to sit them at a table with like one of their American friends one of their British friends and one of their German friends and just watch them talk and switch with switch (laughs) I know they wouldn't know what what to do and actually this this kind of happened this last year when they were on zoom a lot with with friends from all over the place and sometimes they had bigger rounds and my (laughs) I remember my older one had I think they were 10 people on. and then there were some friends from here and some from the UK and I said to her what do you do how do you you know <laughs> but I think they're all easygoing and yeah that's who we are now and I think I think they just got used to it sometimes it's allowed to be that simple right it's not well this and this and this this is who we are a family of chameleons that's that's right and it's part of that's part of the the, the deal <laughs> <laughs> With all of that, we're going to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. You just go with your gut. Are you ready? Oh, of course I am. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What is your favorite non-German cuisine to eat in Germany? Oh, got to say Italian. What is your favorite non-British food or cuisine? to have in the UK. Indian. Can't beat a good curry. Yes. What is your favorite non-American food or cuisine to have in the US? Easy. I'm in Texas. Mexican. Yes. I could eat tacos every day. I do almost. <laughs> yes. Oh. So, um, do you know what the first place I went to getting off of the plane was? It was, I believe, Tex-Mex. Chewy's? <laughs> yeah, Chewy. Yeah. Solid choice. <laughs> it was yeah, amazing. And good. actually that thought and yeah. that memory was the it's inspired all these mm-hmm. questions. I thought as soon as I go to the US, I always go for Mexican adjacent or Mexican mm-hmm. food. I wonder what you do with all your fun places. So very good to learn. Oh, you know what that that was also one of the things when we were in the UK that we missed the most was the quick and easy Mexican food. Yes. Now you have to tell us about this whole other great aspect of your life in Texas, which is as a fellow podcaster. So what's your show? Where can people find you? Oh, yes. So I started writing a blog uh, when I first moved to the US uh, 11 years ago, just as a first to start with uh, just chronicling our experience and for the two or three years that we were there <laughs> so that our friends and family could know what, what, what we were up to. That turned into much more of a, an introspective writing about identity and uh, cultural differences. And then last year, I added my podcast. And you can find all this on my website, with is, which is um, Transcontinental Overload. Yeah, so the, the podcast is just over a year old. And I pretty much do the same that you do, talk to people who have left their home country to 
make a new life somewhere else. Um, sometimes people who have returned to their home country or people whose parents um, left and took them with them without their choice. <laughs> <laughs> so it, there's all these different aspects and I just love talking to different people about their experiences and their views. And especially this last year, I found it such a good way of, of connecting with people. And I'm always looking for guests. So anyone who wants to tell their story, get in touch. Yes, I can attest to all of this. I can attest it's a it's a delightful show to listen to. And you're a wonderful person to talk to. So anyone, oh, yeah, you. people should definitely head on over your way. Thank you so very much for coming on to my show. It was a real joy to get to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, it's always fun talking to you. I know we could we could talk for hours. I know that and <laughs> kind of hard to limit ourselves to a topic. But yeah, it was great. Thank you so much, Nicole. <laughs> Thanks one more time to Steph for coming onto the show. Links to Steph's blog and podcast, both called Transcontinental Overload, can be found in the show notes. I'm also linking to the episode of Transcontinental Overload where I was a guest. Go ahead and subscribe to Steph's show. And while you're at it, subscribe to mine too if you're not already. You can also follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expatcast. And visit me online at theexpatcast.com. Again, send in your stories by July 19th to be included in the upcoming season five finale. Thanks as always goes to Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with, believe it or not, the season five finale, episode 125. This marks a solid three years of doing the show. I'm really excited to be bringing you this episode. So till then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy and stay safe. Bis dann. Tschüss.